You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. It's that time of year again for millions and millions of students, young and old, to go back to school again. And that alone brings a lot of anxiety among students and faculty members and parents. And uh, in light of, at least in the U.S., there is a lot of school shootings, and that brings a lot of anxiety as well. But then there's social anxiety, separation anxiety, and it's really difficult sometimes for parents to get their kids ready for school in the mornings. And it's really hard for faculty members, educators, to get up in the morning and, and go and face the anxiety that comes with their work. So this episode, I'm going to talk about how to manage back-to-school anxiety, and it's applicable for the young kids as well as the older kids and older adults and educators all the way up to administrators. This is a very applicable episode. So we're going to talk about managing back-to-school stress coming right up. Welcome to the Mental Health Today show. My name is John Cordray. I am a licensed therapist. I've actually been a licensed therapist since 2007. I know I'm letting you know my age there. I'm aging myself, but I've been doing this for a long, long time. And uh, for about four years, I actually worked inside a school district. And so this topic of this episode is very near and dear to my heart. I love working with children and with adolescents. And my role at the school that I was in, my job was as a mental health therapist was to help the schools and the teachers learn how to identify the kids with the most trauma and abuse in their background, and then how to help them 
Uh, so often the students in the classrooms who were getting in trouble the most, that were really acting up or who were not doing well in school and they were failing or they were truant and never showed up to school. So often those kids were overlooked. And instead of asking ourselves what is going on with this child, we, the traditional view of a child who's acting up or not doing what they're supposed to do, it's the traditional mindset is what's wrong with this child instead of what happened to this child. And I know from my experience, not just as a therapist, but also working in the schools that so many, many, many students, as well as the teachers and faculty have anxiety and a thought of going back. Uh, it's not just a job. So if you're not an educator, you have no idea what it's like to work as an educator in the school system. Because there's way more things to consider as a teacher, as a staff member, that is not publicized, is not talked about, it is not glamorous, it is very difficult. And yet the, the staff from the custodians all the way up to the principal of the schools have a lot of more extra things that they do, and that's relationships with these kids. And so sometimes as adults, we struggle as well with the anxiety and going back to work. And it's not necessarily because the job is hard. It's because the job is very difficult in a way that it's not the job itself. It's working with the students who are struggling. And uh, it can be very difficult. And a lot of you are parents and you're getting ready to send your child back to school. Maybe you already have done that, depending on when your district starts the school. But you're getting ready to get ready, your, your kids ready for school in the mornings, and it can be very difficult. And your kids might have the anxiety of going back, and they resist, and they put up a, a fight, if you will. And they just don't want to go. And it's not because it's necessarily school, but it's because of the anxiety that comes with going to somewhere could be new. It's a new grade, new class, new teacher, new students. Could be a completely new school if you moved recently. There could be a lot of conflict. It could be bullying going on or the subtle bullying. You know what I mean, right? About the subtle bullying where a student uh, may not go and try to steal your lunch money, but they'll say certain things that are hurtful. They'll do certain things that really make you uncomfortable, make a student uncomfortable. And I call that the subtle bullying. Uh, it's still very impactful in a bad way. And that can produce a lot of anxiety in students. So the anxiety is a very real thing. No matter how old or how young you are, you might be, as a parent, experiencing anxiety for your child. Because you know that your child has a difficult time at school, or maybe it's a difficult teacher, and there's conflict there. And so there's a lot of anxiety. Uh, maybe you've heard uh, horror stories, bad stories about the teacher that your student is really uh, getting ready to go and, and be in their classroom. And you're hearing all these bad things, and you're getting worried and anxious and wondering if this teacher is going to treat your child nice or in a bad way. 
And so there's all this anxiety. And and so often the, the back to school anxiety is not really talked about. And that's why I wanted to talk through and, and uh, really devote a episode on managing back to school anxiety because it's so important and it needs to be talked about and it can be worked through. And uh, if it's severe anxiety, that's one thing. Severe anxiety can really cause a lot of a lot of physical symptoms as well. And I know uh, as a parent myself, my son, uh, he's quite a bit older now. Uh, he's an adult. But when he was an, uh, a senior, his senior year, towards the end of the senior year of his high school, he has severe anxiety. We don't, we didn't know where it was coming from. He, even uh, as his dad, you know, I'm a therapist and uh, I knew it was bad. It was, it was really getting to him. And so we had to work with the school and they accommodated him to be able to come into school only certain times uh, of the day to do a lot of his work online. Uh, this was before COVID. And so it, it was, we were very fortunate as parents that his school and his teachers were very accommodating. Uh, but I know what it's like uh, as a parent, when, when you have a child who is severely depressed or severely anxious and they cannot get themselves into the classroom and uh, it, it can be very difficult for parents. And, uh, and, and then, and then if it's not severe, so many more people suffer from the anxiety, it's not as severe, but it can interfere with so many things, whether it's separation anxiety or social anxiety or just general anxiety, uh, anxiety where you don't know where it's coming from. Uh, so for the, the really little kids in uh, a preschool, pre-K, kindergarten, maybe first grade, uh, a lot of times there's going to be one or two students in the classroom that are terrified and they don't want to leave their parent when the parent drops them off for school. And uh, it's it takes a lot of time to work with that child and for that child to feel safe. And, it, and that's the key is time. We'll be back after a quick break. Hi, this is Ross, the host of Smells Like Humans. Each week, we talk about the curious things that people do. This show is for you when you're in the mood for unscripted, lighthearted conversation, personal stories, and just a smattering of psychology and information you can use. I promise we will make your day pass a little faster and put a smile on your face. Sometimes silly, sometimes serious, but always fun. Please join us, because no matter who you are, we all smell like humans. Please follow the link in the show notes. So there's a, it's hard to know as a parent when to push your child and work through the anxiety and whether or not to ease up a little bit and get some extra help. It's hard to know. And it's difficult sometimes making that parent call, right? Uh, the call that, that the decision that you make for your child is, it can be very difficult. So you, you do the best that we can and we encourage our child to go and to help manage their anxiety and go into school. And so often that's all it needs. Uh, it's all a student needs or it's all, a, all an adult needs, right? So it's uh, anticipatory anxiety uh, is the worst. 
because it hasn't, the event hasn't happened yet, but you're imagining in yourself that it's going to happen and it's going to be bad. And that's where the anxiety comes and it gets worse right before actually get, getting into school. So it's trying to manage the anxiety from the moment you get up in the morning to when you walk through the doors of the classroom. And so many kids, so many adults struggle with that time frame, that window, that anticipatory anxiety. So how do you manage that? What do you say if you're a parent? Uh, what do you say to yourself if you're an adult or maybe a high school student or a college student? What do you say to yourself to get through the anxiety, to manage it, to what I call pierce the wall? You pierce through the wall of that anxiety and you do the very thing that produces the anxiety itself, right? So you go to school and you make yourself go to school and you enter the classroom. And then once you start conversations, you get settled in for the most part, the anxiety can go away uh, because it's anticipatory, right? It's leading up to the event. And once you're there, it's not as bad. It's not as bad as you think it's going to be. And so if you're a parent or uh, someone who is trying to manage their own anxiety, uh, just know that a lot of the anxiety that you're experiencing is starting with the thought, uh, your thought, you're, you're catastrophizing, you are uh, assuming the worst, and you don't know it to be what's true, uh, you think it's what's true. In most cases, in most cases, it's what you think is going to happen and that thing that's going to happen is going to be terrible. So a lot of people, when they think, of, oh, it's going to be terrible. I don't want to go to school today because I I didn't study. I, I have a test or you know, a certain person, a certain student is there and they're going to bully me. They're going to say something. And I just know it and it's going to ruin my day and I don't want to go. Or I, I'm going to make a fool of myself. I'm going to embarrass myself and I don't want to go. People are going to laugh at me and they're going to point at me and they're going to leave and reject me. I don't want to go to school because I just know what's going to happen. But it's not really knowing what's going to happen. You can't predict the future. It's what you assume is going to happen. And that assumption is the faulty thinking that's influencing how you feel, which then ultimately influences how you behave. So when you realize that, when you realize that the thought that you're having may not be based in truth. Then you can do something about the thought. So it's not about the feeling. So if you're anxious about something, you're worried about something, that's valid. Because there's a lot of things in the world to be worried about. But when it's rooted in something of, of your thought that you think is going to happen, then it's being influenced. That feeling of anxiety is being influenced by something that you don't know to be true, but you think it's true. You see the difference? And when you can recognize that the thought that you're having is faulty, it's not true. It's what you think is true. Then you work on that thought and you work on that thought by trying to replace the negative with what you know to be true or an alternative or ask yourself, what is another way of thinking about the situation? In this case, what's another way of thinking about going into school? Are people really going to laugh at you? So if you're a parent, you can ask these questions. You want to validate how they feel. Don't make them feel bad. Don't get mad at them for resisting to going to school because there's a reason there. But you, you become 
kind of the 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 uh, inquisitive, right? So like Sherlock Holmes, he asks a bunch of questions, and so you're going to ask questions, not interrogate, but asking questions where where this feeling is coming from, and so they'll tell you, they'll say, I I just know that I don't want to go to school because I'm going to say something that's going to be embarrassing, or I got a haircut and I hate my haircut and they're going to make fun of me. And so you can ask them, oh, how many times have people actually made fun of you in the past? And the student might say, well, none. And you can say, well, okay, so no one has made fun of you in the past. So what's making you think that someone's going to make fun of you now? And it's possible they might say, well, just because it didn't happen in the past doesn't mean it won't happen. That's true. But what we're trying to do is reframe their thinking to, uh, to the opposite of that. Well, if people haven't made fun of you up to this point, what's to say they're going to make fun of you now? And so the whole point, the whole object of this to help them manage their anxiety, their back to school anxiety is to help them, first of all, identify if their thought is faulty. And then if it is, Doing something about that thought to make it, to, uh, reframing it, re, replacing it with an alternative thought. Or maybe it's something, oh my gosh, something terrible is going to happen. They're catastrophizing. And then you can say, okay, if that happens, the thing that you're afraid of, if that happens, what can you do about it? So you give them an action plan. So sometimes bad things happen. Let's talk about what you can do if it does happen. Chances are that bad thing won't happen, but let's come up with a, a plan if it does. If people actually do laugh at you, let's talk about that. And then let them validate and their and express their emotion and their anxiety about it. But you're listening, you're not condemning, you are uh helping them realize that, oh, it's okay for me to feel this way, but it may not be rooted in what's true, what's actually going to happen. So that is huge. And if you're an adult and you're thinking through this, this is something that you do internally with yourself. So when you have identified the very thing that you're that you're nervous about, that you're anxious about, maybe uh, you don't want to, if you're a faculty member, you don't want to go into the school. It's a lot of work. It's uh, a lot of thankless work. In fact, there are going to be students there that hate you. There are going to be parents that are going to be complaining and may hate you. Uh, and so it's like, why am I a teacher in the first place? And I know my wife is an educator for many, many, many years. And, and, and now she is uh, a principal. So she gets her fair, fair share of people who don't like her decisions. And, and that's hard. It's hard. And when you're faced with that day in and day out and students complaining, parents complaining, other faculty members complaining, it's like, why am I doing this, right? And it can produce a lot of anxiety because on top of the teaching, you have to have it all together and you may not have it all together in your own personal life. Your family might be falling apart, but yet you have to go in front of this class of a tons of like up to 20 kids in your classroom and be able to have it all together or at least appear to have it all together and be able to teach your lesson plan to be able to grade and have your grades in the grade book. And then you have to deal with all the complaining students. That is hard to do. So uh, as a faculty member, think it through. What is it, the actual thing that you're thinking about? Are you catastrophizing? Are the thoughts that you have, what you're, you're assuming is going to happen? Or is it something that actually does happen? So there's a difference of 
uh, having your faulty thinking and uh, it's it's rooted in something that you think is true rather than something that actually is. Maybe there's a conflict with a a colleague or a conflict with your boss and you don't want to go to school and go to work and your anxiety is coming up and you know you have to talk to them. It's it's just really hard. Well, in that, that case, the emotions fits the context and that makes sense. And so you then you work on the emotions. And when you work on emotions, you might have to do some deep breathing. You might have to do some active, what I call active observation, where you're grounding yourself, acknowledging your anxiety, but then being able to work on lowering and managing that anxiety so you can get to work, so you can face the event that is happening or going to happen. And so uh, it, it's a very real thing. Back to school anxiety is a very real thing. And, and I, I remember when I was a student and going to high school, I loved having a long summer break. And it was great, uh, but not so great when uh, it was time to go back to school. In, in, in my case, I just didn't like school. <laughs> I didn't want to go to school. I didn't want to be there because I had so much fun during the summer. But for a lot of students, school is their safe place. A lot of the students or all the students, actually, that I worked with when I worked at the school district, uh, these were kids who had a lot of trauma in their life and a lot of abuse. And a lot of that came from their home and school was their safe place. And they felt safe enough to be able to express their feelings. And when a child expresses their feelings, and, and it's not usually in a good way, and they act out on their trauma. And many times students act out on their trauma in the classroom and then their behavior results in getting in trouble or sometimes the behavior can be so violent that the whole classroom has to leave and evacuate, if you will, in order for different faculty to work with the student that's causing the disruption. And then the schools that I worked in, sometimes students would flip over tables uh, they would hide under their desk. They would throw an iPad and, and in some cases injure teachers and faculty members. And in some cases had to get surgery. Uh, it can get really violent. And it's not because the child is terrible or bad or that there's something wrong with the child. They were acting out of their trauma and uh, a lot of anxiety. But ultimately, they looked at school as their safe place. And because they knew that uh, they were not going to be abused, they were not going to be beaten, they were going to be loved. And sometimes loving a child who bites back, if you will, that can be hard. And, and that could produce some anxiety in the faculty members. Uh, but it goes right back to managing your anxiety and working through those faulty thinking and then working through the emotion itself. So maybe you might need to do some deep breathing. And really quickly, I'll just explain and tell you what I have taught students and adults alike. I call it smell the flowers, blow out the candles. Uh, You may have heard me talk about this in previous episodes, but it's a very simple practice to do uh, and uh, it gives you a visualization. So smell the flowers, blow out the candles. And so uh, when your anxiety is high and parents, you can teach this to your child. Uh, When their anxiety is high and it's increased and it's getting pretty bad, your heart's racing, you're starting to sweat, maybe panic a little bit. Try to remember, smell smell the flowers, blow out the candles, and here's how to do it. So envision yourself smelling a big bouquet of flowers, 
and you keep your mouth shut, right? So you shut your mouth and then inhale really deeply through your nose and then you hold your breath for a few seconds and then you blow out as if you're going to blow out all of the birthday candles on your birthday cake. So the blowout where it's hard enough and long enough to blow it all out in one breath. Okay. So I'm going to do this on here and see if you can envision yourself so you can follow me. So wherever you're at, if you're riding in a car, driving a car or doing the dishes or wherever you're at, maybe hiking or going on a walk, you can do this wherever you're at. So smell the flowers, blow out the candles and, and let me walk you through it here. Okay. So you want to close your mouth. You want to inhale through your nose really deeply. I want you to hold your breath for a few seconds, and then I want you to blow out as hard and long as you can. And we want to do that eight times in a row slowly. Okay, so here we go. So we want to close your mouth, and then I want you to inhale through your nose. Hold your breath for a few seconds. And then blow out, like you're blowing out all the birthday candles in your cake. And I want you to do that eight times slowly. And when you or the person you're talking to, to try to lower their anxiety, doing this deep breathing exercise will do wonders. Will it take it all away? Maybe not. Will it calm their heart and their mind? Absolutely. So uh, when you breathe in, you're breathing in a lot of oxygen into your lungs and into your brain. And our brain needs uh, a lot of oxygen because when we are stressed, highly stressed, our body releases a natural hormone called cortisol. And when we're super stressed, that cortisol goes into hyperdrive and it goes into hyperdrive. Then it can produce panic. It can produce a lot of bodily uh, issues like um, stomach issues and cramps and headaches and, and migraines. So when you can manage your anxiety through your breathing, it could be very, very helpful. You don't want to do it a quickly, a lot, really fast. And some kids will, <laughs> and, and they don't quite do the, the routine uh, in the right way. And then they say, oh, it doesn't work. Because <laughs> oh, we want instant gratification. But that's why I, I want you to do it slow slowly and uh, rhythmically, right? For eight times, just think of eight times. That's just enough to bring it down, to calm your mind and to calm your heart. So let's do it a couple of times here. Ready? Close your mouth and inhale through your nose. Hold your breath. Blow out. Again. Hold your breath, blow out, one more time, breathe through your nose, hold your breath, blow out. Okay, so I, uh, that's a, one technique that you can do uh, to help manage your anxiety, whether it's back to school or not. Uh, when you have uh, the anxiety come, and so often the anxiety brings with it some panic, uh, try to remember the smell of flowers blow out the candles. And there's one other technique that I've used to help ground 
uh, people. And uh, I call this active observation. And again, I've talked about this before, but it works really well. Uh, I've had clients in panic mode use this and they've said it's helpful, uh, but it's active observation. So no matter where you're at, again, you could be out walking, you can be in your, in your room uh, or wherever, just look around you and identify all the things. Uh, think of your sensory, right? So look at all the things that you see, listen for all the things that you hear. If you, you might feel something, uh, the fan might be blowing on you. You might feel your body in your chair, uh, anything that you smell. So anything that you, that you see, if you will, with your senses and identify. So let's just do one for visualization. So the things around in your, around your environment, what do you see? Name them out loud. I see a clock and the clock is round. It's black. I see a printer. I see a light. I see a computer. And the more detailed that you can get like color and shape and things like that can be very, very helpful because when you're in a panic mode and when your anxiety is so high, you're not present in the moment. You're you're somewhere out in the future, right? Because you're anticipating something bad's going to happen. But when you do active observation, it forces you to slow down and to be in the moment, to be present in the moment. So look around, identify the things that you see, listen, take a moment, be silent. You might hear a plane that goes by. You might hear a lawnmower. You might hear a car that goes by. You might hear a bird chirping in the background. So name everything that you hear. Name everything that you see. Do you feel? What, what do you feel where you're at in your body? The physical sensation. You might feel a breeze. You might feel your body weight in your chair. You might have an ache that you can identify my, my uh, arm is sore, for instance. Uh, and, and then uh, if there's, could be what you smell, it could be what you taste. So whatever is around you, use that as active observation as a way to bring your mind focused on the present, on the here and now, because your emotion of anxiety is getting you way into the future of something that may or may not happen. So try that, try the, the smell of flowers and blow out the candles and active observation. So parents, you can, you can work with your child on that. And that could be something every day that you do as a routine in the morning. Uh, adults, if you struggle with back to school anxiety, uh, that's something that you can put a part of your routine in the morning or maybe on your drive to school. So I hope these have been helpful. Uh, it's a very real thing. Back to school anxiety is a very real thing and it affects thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And so it's a real thing and it's a struggle. And so often when we don't talk about it, chances are your child is not going to go to school and talk about, oh, I have social or, or school, back to school anxiety. What do you have? It's not going to happen. Right. And chances are, if you're an educator, you're not going to talk to another educator and say, I have a lot of back to school anxiety. Maybe. You, you have that relationship. It'd be great if you did, but chances are we keep it to ourselves. And so it's important for us to know what can we do to help manage that back to school anxiety. All right. Well, uh, I hope this has been helpful again. And uh, if you are experiencing the back to school anxiety, I hope you use these techniques that I talked about to help manage them. 
And uh, let me know. I always love to know if this has been helpful for you. Uh, it, and also, if there's any particular topic you want me to talk about, let me know. I want to continue to know what it is you want to listen to, and I want it to be as helpful as possible. All right. Well, uh, good luck going back to school. If that's you, if you're going back to school, if your parent has a child going back to school, I hope it goes well. Hope it's a good start. And uh, just be mindful and listen and validate their emotions. All right, friends, I'm going to let you go. And until next time, take care of yourself. Bye-bye. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.